0: The following audio is from the Grove Church Snohomish campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. If you can, on a count of three, everyone say with me, crazy, one, two, three, crazy, crazy. Yeah man, Christmas can be crazy. I had to go to Costco this week uh, with my girls to get a couple of things and uh, I almost had a nervous breakdown, I gotta be honest. I don't think the dollar churro is worth it. Um, but have you ever been to Costco and as you're driving at Costco and you got, you know, you got the big carts and if you're a parent or if you've ever experienced this, you're trying to get your kids in the in the the, um, the cart or whatever and so I'm driving, you know, I show them the, my kids always want to hold the card and show them the membership cards. We do that and as you drive into Costco, you kind of have all the sections you want to buy, all the stuff at the front, and then there's like the the, the pivotal middle aisle. It's like the aisle that everybody has to go down. And um, you ever met someone? Um, evil awful rude people who um you when you when you're like you're in a car and they they're just going at a different pace than you okay some of you you're in this room okay you operate at a different pace in life okay you're you're not like me with kids trying to get kids settled and make sure they're okay you're like on a mission okay and you're not letting anybody stop you okay who are you raise your hand right now yeah okay all right we all know where you're going when you die. Okay, anyway, so, um, but these people, okay, so these people, they, they go at a different pace in life, and uh, and so they usually don't have kids with them, or if they do, their kids are like all over the place. So I literally was trying to get my kids all situated, and this one lady, she came zooming by me, and you know, and then she like glared at me, and I'm like... It's the children, okay? It's like, have you ever had kids? You know, it's crazy. People are crazy. Um, I did the worst thing. I will never do this again this this holiday season. I, I I swore to myself I would never ever go out on Thanksgiving night. Because Thanksgiving is sacred, okay? I will not go out on Thanksgiving night and get any presents until it's Friday on Black Friday. But for whatever reason, the deal was just too good to be had. And so at 11 o'clock on Thursday night, after I got my whole family home, I did the awesome, awful, and I went to the outlets to pick up something for my brother. I know, I know. It was sad, you guys. I, I've gone to a new low this season. Um, you want to talk about crazy it was like 11:30 at night, and there was a line all the way down to I-5 just to get into the outlets. Let alone to try to find a parking spot. I had one person pulling out while I was trying to pull in, and another car almost come in and hit both of us. And she steps out. No, this is the dude, and he goes, blah, 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 you know, using some fancy language. And I'm like, this was my spot, okay? <laughs> this is my spot. But it, it, things are crazy. It, it's crazy. And um, I was at the store the other day, uh, and the, the the gal in front of me, she was talking, and uh, she was saying to the to the checker, she was saying, well, you know, I was, I was going 35 in a 35, and the guy behind me was just getting so mad, you know, and I'm behind her. It wasn't me, but I'm behind her in the line, and she's like, I was going the speed limit, you know, and I was like... In my head, I wanted to say, it's because you're going 35 in a 35. You know what I mean? Like, Anybody ever, like, it's just people are crazy. And it's crazy, life is crazy, and this season is crazy. And people do crazy things around this holiday season. And uh, if if you have to go to Costco in the next couple days, I wanna pray for you specifically. So if that's you, and you're last minute, and you haven't got your recipes done, and you're going to Costco, raise your hand. Come on, oh man, God, touch them. Give them grace, okay? Give them patience. But man, life, life is crazy and people are, are, are it's nuts and, and things are crazy and, and Christmas sweaters and holiday celebrations and parties and things are crazy. And a lot of times uh, around the Christmas season, we read the stories about Christ and we read about the stories about the nativity and the stories about uh, the birth of Christ. And a lot of times it's like fluffy and it's really nice and sentimental. And a lot of times this time of year, we, we talk about uh, peace and hope and love and these themes of Advent uh, that I even shared in the beginning of the, of the Christmas season this year. But if you've actually read the story of Christ's birth, The story of Christ's birth is absolutely craziness. Now, today, the hope and the joy that we get to experience is that Christ did come to be the Prince of Peace. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Christ did come to be the hope of the world. Christ did come near to give us restoration and healing and forgiveness. And he is, uh, like I said, the Prince of all peace. But Christ did not and was not born in a peaceful situation. In fact, Christ was born in a crazy situation with chaos going all around him. And when we read about it today, you're gonna see this is absolutely insanity, the way Christ was born and the circumstances by which he came into the world. You know you're doing a good job as a parent when your kids repeat everything you say. So sometimes in my family, when I think, when things are crazy, I'll be like, man, that was cray-cray, you know, just like as a joke. And the other day, I was driving the kids home from school and Lydia was like, dad, school was cray-cray today. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not even teaching them proper English. Like, what is wrong with me? Cray-cray? But this story today is, is cray-cray. Matthew 2, if you think about it and you really hear what's going on, you'll see how crazy and unpredictable this story really is. It says in Matthew 2, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Goes on to say in verse 7 Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and asserted from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen, when it arose, went before them until it came over the place where the child was. Here's where things start getting real crazy in the birth of Christ. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt, I called my son. It goes on to talk about this travesty. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that had ascertained him from the wise men. Then was, this was to fulfill what the prophet by, was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. Excuse me. It says, a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when they had heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in the city called Nazareth. So that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Let's pray for God's word today. God, I thank you today. That for some in the room, God, things may be very crazy. Life may be crazy. There may be a lot of things going on, God, that are out of our control, that are unpredictable. And we need your strength and your goodness and your grace in our lives. Lord, maybe for some in here, things are very calm. Things are peaceful. But I thank you that no matter what, Lord, your word's going to speak once again, like it always does, the truth that will bring us freedom and wholeness, God. We thank you and praise you for this season. We thank you and praise you for sending your son, Jesus. We thank you and praise you that you are here with us in every situation we face. It's in your good name we pray, amen. What's cool about the story of Matthew is this story of the wise men who come to bring gifts um, to Jesus and come to worship Jesus. This is isolated only uh, to the gospel of Matthew. And Luke is a whole different version of the birth of Christ. And then in Mark, he leaves it out for different reasons. And John um, deals with something entirely differently. So this is isolated only to the gospel of Matthew. Um, this whole situation of the wise men and the star and them coming to worship King Jesus. But if you read this story really for what it's worth, and you think about the different things happening in this story, first of all, there is fear happening in this story. There's deception, there's evil, there's injustice, there's homelessness, there's fleeing, and there's bloodshed. It really is chaotic in every way what is happening at the time that Christ is born. It's no different than in our world today where we see injustices, homelessness, crisis, fleeing, people killing each other. I mean, you can see and sense that things are no different today as they were then. There's a lot of craziness going on in our world today. And as the wise men have wanted to come to bring these gifts to the king, they first approach the person who's actually the king and his name is King Herod at the time. Now it's it's important to understand who this person was. And I really want you to get into a window today, a little bit of history of who King Herod was and why he did what he did. So you can understand the real true craziness that's happening at the birth of Christ. King Herod was king at this time. And if you understand the way things worked in that culture, he was the reigning supreme leader of that time. So anyone coming to him, expressing to him that we've come to see the king, but it's not him, that's a problem. That would be a threat to him because he's saying, hey, no, I'm the king. In fact, a couple years ago, we went to a little play for a few of my nieces and nephews. And they, they kind of reenact this whole thing. And it was like King Herod came out with a big old crown. And he would, say, he would say, you know, no, I'm the king. And then all the kids would go, no, he's the king. And they would point to the baby Jesus. And he'd be like, no, I'm the king. And the kids would go, no, he's the king. You know, they'd point to the babies. But that's exactly what's going on here. There's a threat happening to the kingdom at this time. And King Herod, it says in the text, is trouble, but it's not strong enough. King Herod is furiously mad and angry at these wise men that have come to visit and worship the king. But in his mind, it should be him that they're worshiping. But in their mind, it's the baby to be born. And so he's sitting on this throne. History confirms actually that Herod was a ruthless dictator who hated his own family and would do unbelievable torture and killing of them for fear of jealousy and suspicion. He was the kind of king that was always worried that somebody was behind his back trying to take him down. So he lived in this constant, constant suspicion of somebody trying to kill him, someone trying to take his throne, his own family being a threat to him. And so later on in his reign, he actually had most of his family, including his wife, murdered and executed. And then history actually tells us that King Herod was such a destructive mind and a person that when he was about to die, he knew that nobody would mourn for him. So he got all the high officials and leaders and had them at the moment that he died, had them killed so that there would be tears and that there would be mourning happening when he actually passed away. This is the person that is reigning as Christ is coming onto the scene. It was estimated if we go on to read here where he kills all the children two years and under. It was estimated in that town of Bethlehem about 30 to 40 children under the age of two that were slaughtered and killed at the moment that he decided to make that call. It's chaotic. Twice Mary and Joseph are having to flee from their homeland and flee and worry about the life of Christ. And it's only through an angel and this dream that Christ's life is spared or else he would have also been one of the two-year kids and under that would have also been executed by King Herod's decision. It's craziness that's happening in Matthew 2 at the birth of Christ. Christ. And today what I wanna do is I wanna focus on three different people in this text and how they respond to Christ. I wanna focus on Herod's response. I wanna focus on the scribes and the religious leaders' response. And then I wanna focus in on what the wise men actually really do. So for King Herod, his response is pretty obvious. His reaction is one of hate and hostility. He is afraid that Christ's birth is going to be a threat to his kingdom and that his power and his prestige and his authority and his control is going to be taken away. So he sees Christ's birth as an ultimate threat to his kingdom because he sees that somehow he will no longer be in control. As a pastor, but also just as a person, one of my favorite things to do is just to read I get it from my mom, who's awesome. Um, but I love to read. I just love reading. I'm always reading. Last Christmas, I got a little Kindle paperwhite, so I get to download download them all onto my Kindle. But I love to read. And one of the books that I've read now, two Christmases in a row, that if you, if you like to read, is a book by uh, Timothy Keller. He's a pastor, and I really consider him a theologian of our time. He's a pastor in New York City. Uh, Redeemer Presbyterian Church is what it's called. And he's written a ton of different books. I recommend any of his books. But one of the books that I'm gonna share with you today, several different quotes from, is a little tiny book called Hidden Christmas by Timothy Keller. And he just brings out some themes and some ideas of the Christmas message that I think are amazing. And if you like to read uh, Timothy Keller, excellent, excellent author and, and, uh, and pastor, he, he says this that speaks into this King Herod and, and his uh, point in the, in the story here. He says, I also have a word of advice to Christians. You might say, how can we be enemies of God? Doesn't Paul say that through Jesus we have been reconciled to him at peace with him? Yes, that is wonderfully true. He has forgiven us and we are reconciled to him. But you must recognize, as Paul shows us in Romans 6-8, through that you still have a heart with residual anger and hostility to God. It is still there. Until we get to the very end of time and are glorified and we get our perfect bodies and our perfect souls, it is still there. Always take this into consideration. Why do you think it's so hard to pray? Why do you think it's so hard to concentrate on the most glorious person possible? Why, when God answers a prayer, do you say, oh, I'll never forget this, Lord, but soon you do anyway? How many times have you said, I will never do this again, and two weeks later you do it again? In Romans 7, 15, Paul says, what I hate, I do. Listen to what he says here. There is still a little King Herod inside of you, inside of me. It means you have, you've got to be far more intentional about Christian growth, about prayer, and about accountability to other people to overcome your bad habits. You can't just glide through the Christian life. There is still something in you that fights it. There is something in me. There is something still in you and I that we want to be in control of our lives. We want to have everything work out the way we plan. We want to be the king of our lives and the king of our castle. And what we see in Matthew 2 with King Herod is there's not going to be any person that tries to come in and take out my kingdom and my way and my plan. And if anyone is a threat to me and what I have in plan for my life and my kingdom, I'm going to execute them all. I'm going to do whatever I can because my reaction to Christ and this birth is one of hate and hostility because it's an ultimate threat to the control of my kingdom. Keller says that that's in us in some way, that we fight. Paul says we fight against our flesh versus our spirit. We fight against ultimately surrendering our entire lives to Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. It's there. It's still in us. I love that he says, that's why we must be far more more intentional about Christian growth, far more intentional about our prayer life, far more intentional about, you know, diving into the word of God, far more intentional about Christian community. Why? Because you and I, if we're honest, we tend to drift away from the things we once believed. I mean, I got to be honest, if I miss just a few days of worship and prayer time and Bible time in my life, if I get a few days behind in our, in our awesome Bible reading plan, and you guys can all see, I'm a few days behind right now. If I get a few days behind, I can feel, I get edgier, I get more tired, I get a little bit more cranky, I get a little bit more short with those I love, Why? Because I'm naturally bent because of sin and the work that sin can do. I'm naturally bent to want to forget the things I believe. And so he's saying, hey, we got to be far more intentional about being in Christian community, far more intentional about worship and prayer, far more into, why? Because I naturally, I naturally want to do things that are against God's spirit that's inside of me. Another group here that responds to Christ, if that's Herod's response, we see the chief's priests and their, their response, the scribes, and th- their response is, is what we would call indifference. I mean, they just don't care. They're so busy in their world of legalism and ritual temple worship that Christ's coming and his birth and Herod telling them this, I mean, they're just like whoop-dee-doo. Like, big deal, there's a baby born in some town with the star. Like we're going back to our law. We're going back to our legalism. We're going back to the things that we know. We're going back to the Old Testament and the prophets. Like Christ, Messiah. Indifference. It's interesting because people are, they're, they're so interested in their affairs and the things they have to do. So Christmas comes and Christmas goes, and people are just like, oh Christ, oh the birth, oh Jesus, oh Prince of Peace, oh what. Nothing means nothing. And we see that in Matthew 2, and we see that today. People wake up every single day this season and think to themselves, Christ, the anointed one, the prince of peace, what? No. Christmas is about Santa. Christmas is about snowflakes. Christmas is about presents. Christmas is about, you know, staying up too late and having too much to drink. That's what Christmas is about. It's, it, it doesn't mean anything to them. It has no impact to them. The light, the darkness in their life, has overtaken the light of the world that's shining all around them. Indifference. I just don't care. It just doesn't, it doesn't matter that much. I'll come to church on Christmas Eve because my wife made me, because my family told me, but it's not, it hasn't impacted me. It's not that big of a deal. It's just kind of case sera, sera, whatever it may be, may be. Lamentations says in 112, is it nothing to you, all you who pass by? Every single Christmas season, every single holiday season, it's Christ's birth and his coming, the great Emmanuel, the God with us. And yet you and I work with people and we see people and we know people and we have family members and people that are just like, whatever. That's your thing. That's your religion. Indifference. And a lot of people react to Christ like that. It just doesn't, hasn't impacted them. It's of no importance. And then lastly, it's the wise men. I mean, they they desired to worship. They desired to lay down the best gifts possible. I mean, their gifts and the meaning of their gifts, they were gifts for the true king. That was what they desired, was to worship. Matthew tells us that they came and bowed down and worshiped the baby to be born. I mean, that's a great reaction. If I was a wise man and and this was the Messiah, I would first think to myself, you know, like the the movie The Star Explains, like he's like, "Um, I brought myrrh, I never know what to give. Like I would have thought to myself, like what do you give the king? Well what do you give what, what 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 do we offer the king there was an old song that said, that from Matt Redman years ago it was like what can i bring what can i bring but an offering to you lord i mean what what do i have to give to the king of all kings what what do i even what can i even muster up to give to him there's not any material possession or anything I own or thing I could give to him to show him my worship and my awe of him. And yet Jesus and the wise men, they do their best. They bring the best gifts they can. But the best thing that they did, the best reaction that they did was bow down and worship the king. They got lost in the wonder and the joy and the love of who Jesus is. And I'm, I'm, I want to I encourage you today that when we come to Christ's birth, if we're going to come to him as wise men, because I don't, I don't think we want to come to him as, as Herod, right? We don't want to come to him with all of our stuff and all of our control. Okay, I'll worship you as long as I'm, We don't want to do that. We also don't want to come to him and go, ah, it's not that big of a deal. I'm just here because, you know. We, want, we don't want to come. We want to come in worship. We want to come to bow. But if we're going to come to him in that way, if we're gonna come and get lost in his wonder and his beauty and his majesty and his holiness and his graciousness. I'm telling you, we're gonna to have to come to him with our arms opened up. We're gonna to have to come to him with recognizing. that my life is not my own. That's how we have to come to him. If I come to him with my backpack full of stuff and my map and my order and my to do, and God, as long as you, and if you do, and then you this, and then this, I'm really not worshiping him as king and Lord of my life. I'm worshiping like he's Santa. And that as long as he does these things, then I'm good. Life is crazy. Life is hard. To be be fully honest, I'm in the season of my life where I have to just surrender everything to God right now and to trust him that he's gonna be the Lord of my life. And I wanna encourage you today that if we're going to worship like the wise men worshipped, we're going to have to surrender the hardest thing of our lives. It's the hardest thing. You ready for it? Control. Control. Will, will, Will I surrender control of my life? Will I surrender at the foot of the birth of Christ? God, I'm trusting you with my life. I'm trusting you with my family. I'm trusting you in the craziness and the chaos of what I'm facing right now. And I'm gonna worship you. I'm gonna worship you. In all things, I'm gonna worship you. When I was preparing this message, I thought about the game, if you remember it as a kid, on a school playground, it was called King of the Hill. And it was like you had to throw people off the hill. And no, I'm new. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're talking about today. Christ is saying, I want to be king of your life. And if I'm going to be king of your life, you got to get off the hill. You actually have to take a moment and bow at my feet and worship. Because that is what I'm calling you to do. Keller says it again. At the climax of his life, he ascended. Not on a throne, but a cross. He came as our substitute to bear evil, suffering, and death. The consequences for our turning from God. He did this so that if we believe, we can be reconciled to him. So when when he comes as king the second time, he can end all evil without ending us. So his weakness was really his strength. Where does this bring us? To a comfort and a challenge. Here's the comfort, I don't care who you are, I don't care what you have done, I don't care if you've been on the paid staff of hell, I don't care what your background is, I don't care what deep dark secrets are in your past, I don't care how badly you messed up, if you repent and come to God through Jesus, not only will he accept you and work in your life, but he delights to work through people like you. He's been doing it through all of world's history. God is here, he's in the chaos, he's in the storm, he's here. If things are calm, I praise God for that. If things are crazy, I praise God for that. If things are out of control, he's here. If things are going good, he's here. He's in the chaos, he's in the storm, he will not leave you, he will not forsake you. That's the message of Christmas. Will you bow your heads with me today? If you're in this place and you want to say yes to Jesus, you want him to be the Lord of your life. The key there is Lord. God, I want to be Lord. I want you to be Lord of my life. I've been Lord. I've been trying. I've in my own strength. But today I'm choosing to put you in the first place of my life. I'm choosing to let go of the control, to let go of the things I thought, and I'm choosing to put you first in my life. You wanna say yes to salvation in Christ alone, the one who paid it all for your sins, rose again on the third day to give you life, and you wanna say yes to him today. I'm just gonna have you lift up your hand. I wanna pray for you today. You wanna say yes to Jesus. Thank you so much. Yeah, one hand. Anyone else, you wanna say yes to Jesus with the one? Anyone else? You can put your hand down, thank you. Anyone else? Two, thanks so much, I appreciate it. Anyone else, you wanna say yes to Jesus today? Three, thank you so much, bud. You can put your hand down. Anyone else with these three hands, you wanna say yes to Christ? With these three hands. Anyone else? I want you to pray this prayer with me and if you're a Christ follower, I'm gonna have you pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, come into my life, be my Lord. Be my savior. I accept the free gift of salvation. Thank you, God. And God, I do pray right now for every person in here today, for every Christmas season, maybe because of holiday plans, they they have other stuff going on, but I thank you and praise you that you're with us, you're here, you're speaking to our hearts. We thank you that you're in the chaos. We thank you that you're in the calm. We thank you that we can trust you in all things. And we praise you for it, in Jesus' name. Can we give God praise for the three hands? Absolutely, come on, I love that. Best decision you ever made with your life and we love seeing that. I wanna welcome you to our incredible family. As the ushers are gonna get ready here in just a minute, we're gonna make a couple of transitions here, but I want to take a few minutes as they're moving about the room to prepare for our giving. I don't know if you were here last week or not, but we had an epic Christmas production for our kids. It was awesome. They did an incredible job. And I wanted to thank a few people in the room. Specifically, though, I want to have Crystal Henderson and Brittany Bowers make their way up on the stage, please. Can you give it up for them? I wanted to do this last week, but I didn't have the opportunity to, but come on and get close. Come on up girls. I love your lit up earrings, Crystal. Um, But these gals do an incredible job serving our kids and uh, blessing our kids and teaching them about Christ along with an incredible workforce of teachers and parents and volunteers. But the production obviously would not have happened without these two incredible individuals. So we wanted to say thank you and celebrate you. We have a little gift for you from Scott. Thank you, can I give you a hug? Thank you, Brittany. Oh, you did, okay, well go get him. Okay, perfect. We're going, to, we're going to stall a little bit because we want to thank someone else. So we'll do the giving here now. Uh, so we're coming to the end of the year. It's that reminder, end of year giving, right? So there's going to be a graphic here that goes up. This gives you like the instructions of making sure you get your giving in on time for the end of the year giving. It's the whole tax write-off and all that kind of stuff. If you have any questions about that, obviously you let us know. But as the end of the year comes, this is the information you want to, to, to know. Obviously you can give online as well. In addition to that, I wanna pray for the giving. I wanna do. I want to say this as well. Um, is Emily and Natalie in the room? Uh, Natalie Warner and Emily Westfall, are you guys in the room today? No? I know Emily was on stage. They painted our set last week and I wanted to say thank you to them as well. So can you thank our painters? They did awesome. I appreciate you guys. Okay. Well, hey, let's pray for the giving and, uh, and then we got a couple last things we wanna do with you here. God, thank you so much today for the giving, God. Thank you for the season of giving, God, where we get to be generous because you've been so generous towards us. And so we pray, God, that you bless both the gift and the giver in your good name. Amen. All right. Well, I wanted to also thank my man, Kramer. Is he in the building yet? No? Okay. All right. I'm gonna do a couple announcements and then if he doesn't make it in, uh, we'll thank him anyway, but no. Okay. A couple things coming up for you guys, all right, as we're doing the giving here. So one is... Christmas Eve, a couple days away, we have a Christmas Eve service at 5 p.m. It's a family service, family friendly. It's gonna be an awesome time. We have a special thing we're gonna do with the kids on the stage. If you can make it and you don't have holiday plans, uh, we wanna say come join us right here in this room two days from now at 5 p.m. Next Sunday, pajama party for the kids, okay? So have your kids show up in their pajamas, they're gonna have fun in their classroom. Let me clarify, this is not pajama party for adults, okay? I don't wanna see you in your pajamas, okay? So none of that, but that's coming up. Last thing I wanna do is I wanna say a huge thank you to Kramer Kales, he does a great job opening up our building for us. Kramer, I wanna say thank you bro, get up here man. We could not do this without this guy I didn't know if you were going to be here today, but I want to say thank you, man. We appreciate you, and thank you for all that you do. We will hope you have a very Merry Christmas, man. And thank you so much, Kramer. Hey, with that, Merry Christmas. If we don't see you on Tuesday, have a very Merry Christmas. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Snohomish Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.